welcome to Blue Collar Love, the Starfire 59, and all other side part projects of Jason Martin Extravaganza. My name is Samuel, and I need a tragedy, a new dramarama, a hot toddy. And my name is Aaron. Cohen knows my name. And here's joining <laughs> us for the review of the first Neon Horse album. Welcome back to the podcast. The rebel from Reno, Nevada, the one and the only... <laughs> Mark Solomon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the Rebel from Reno, huh? <laughs> yeah. It has a nice I mean, ring to it. It does. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I sound kind of awesome. And then in, in, in the Christian scene in the 90s, you, you were a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. So today we're, yeah, we're, we're going to review the Neon Horse album, which, um, go ahead, Sam. All right. It came out in 2007. Um, the we we finally got some confirmation on who played on it um so we definitely know it was mainly a jason martin and mark solomon project um jason did and a steven vast dale and steven dale now mark did steven play bass specifically or did he like do some other stuff on it uh he did a lot of editing you know when we were actually tracking um, which is the way we make music is kind of crucial to that. But he didn't write any of the music. That was all Jason. So, you know, there were just times when Steve would come in and play some bass. I'm sure he wrote a few licks here and there. But um, I think on a lot of it, Martin played all the instruments. But uh, there were a couple of songs, you know, where the bass line is a little more complex. Um, and Steve's a funky dude, man. He can really, really play that thing. So. I also here have Alex Albert on some drums, I'm assuming. Oh, uh, yeah. Alex, I forgot. Alex probably came and played some stuff, too. Because Alex and Randy and Steve were all sort of tracking a lot with Martin back in the day. You know, they would come over to his, what we call the square, and, you know, do a little, do music here and there, make make things, and, you know, make cool shit, man. That's what we like. Okay, I gotcha. And I'm curious, um, did you write the lyrics or were the lyrics all Martin originals too? No, I wrote the lyrics. That was okay. my job was I was write the lyrics. Say that. I was say, there's no way there's no way Jason wrote these lyrics. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so so just uh, briefly I'll tell you, you know, Stavesaker, I'm famously terrible for writing lyrics at the last like I I will procrastinate for ages. Um, on the first Stavesaker album, I, I had to redo at least one song in that in the studio because it was a disaster that I had never practiced before, and and had to track it on the fly the new one. So, uh, you know, with with uh, Neon Horse Which song, I didn't uh, Stavesaker song that I I rewrote the day before I tracked it and sang it the first time ever in the studio. A song called "Burning Clean." Um, and a lot of that—that's an amazing song. That's crazy. <laughs> I got you know, man. You know what it is? Is that if you think about it, you know, especially when we tracked it, you got to remember, you know, you don't track that stuff in the order that it actually comes out on the record. You know, some songs you do first, and just they're more comfortable or whatever. Um, "Burning Clean." Uh, it was the first time I ever tried to sing on a record. 
like be melodic, you know, like have a melody and sing, you know, uh, yeah, it's, I sing a key on these stasic or songs that are on there, you know, at the moment, stuff like that. But Burning Clean, I really had to actually sing and like do notes and um, it, it was scary, man. I was freaking terrified. So, <laughs> but with Neon Horse, I just, you know, the whole idea was don't overthink it. You know, sure, if I had like a couple ideas in my head that I really wanted to knock out, I would do them. But a lot of the neon horse stuff, I would go, all right, Martin, give me give me uh, 20 minutes. And I went downstairs. I'd have like an idea in my head what I wanted to sing about and then just not be afraid and just write down anything that came to mind, honestly. Uh, you know, of course, I would tweak it here and there. It has to kind of make sense, but I wasn't going to you know, strangle the project for my art. I just wanted to make something that was totally and completely sincere and not overthought. So which so in its own way is its own way of art. So, so I mean, you know, stream of consciousness, right? a lot of, what's that? Well, stream of consciousness is what you were doing, writing. A lot. Yeah. All crazy Daisy straight from the brain. No stop. But uh, a lot of the songs, you know, they came from a certain area of era of my life. It was easy to write about and, and, you know, I mean, I, I'll go into it whenever you want to, but, you know, it was, it was easy to, to access that and kind of uh, work it out um, on the page, especially, you know, the music made me, I don't know, I dug it. And uh, I would come up with these weird little voices and uh, try to get Martin off of his, uh, uh, just to try to catch him off guard. So I got you. All right. Um, now, another thing we kind of do with the, these reviews is uh, me and Aaron will give our personal history with them. So okay. this album, I have a pretty decent connection to because I've mentioned this before. Back in the day, I was an avid reader of a website named JesusFreeKiteOut.com. Uh, they reviewed all aspects of Christian music. And this was happening to be one of the albums they reviewed. And I'm like, this is a weird looking album. It has cartoon characters in the front and it sounds weird. And so I was walking through a half price bookstore some years later, like, I don't know, five years later or something. And I happened to see Neon Horse sitting there. I'm like, I got to buy this record. It's so weird looking. And um, it just kind of blew my mind. And I was like, this is probably the weirdest thing I've ever listened to, but I love it. And this was back in my, my straight laced, if things weren't, christian enough sometimes i wouldn't listen to them and stuff and it still like just got me in a really weird way that i loved and as i've gotten older i've embraced all music as you know there's good things and all to find in all music but um yeah so this album has a pretty cool connection to me growing up and getting more involved with the music i listen to Killer. aaron what about you <laughs> all right well, first of all, Sam, no, there's three forms of music that are complete trash. There's opera, um, straight up Renaissance music, and which I didn't know I hated until like yesterday, actually. Um, and what's the other one? Maybe it's just those two. Oh, straight up bluegrass. I like bluegrass incorporated everything, but straight up bluegrass and yodeling. Terrible. Everything else, I'm with you, Sam. <laughs> I, I highly disagree, but continuing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to disagree, right? Because you love being wrong. Anyway, um, I'd never heard of this project um, until we started this podcast four years ago. I didn't really get this album, I think, either until like a year or two ago. I bought offline somewhere, probably Amazon, who knows. And yeah, I listened to it and I was like, 
What? <laughs> this is the least Starfire 59 thing that because you know he has all these projects, but you, you can fill some Starfire 59 and Bon Voyage, Brothers Martin, yeah. Crocodiles, different things. But this one, there's stuff for one song. I'm like, this is insane. And then of course, I was star. I'm a stage, huge stage taker fan. So on Tooth and Nail, Starfly '59, Stage Saker, Joe Christmas, um, um, Havelina, and Fozender are like the best bands on those labels to me. On that label, and so it's like, oh, two of the best people from two of the best bands are going to do something. And out uh-huh. your and you mentioned in the other um, the previous episode, yeah. This doesn't sound like anything Safe Lake or Starfire related at all. Yeah. It, it's so bananas that not only you, but Jason can continue to do different things outside of, you know, the wheelhouse. And so, yeah, so I've just been introduced to this album from last year or two. I can't remember. What's time now in COVID? It's all been one big day, really. And so <laughs> I've enjoyed it. And yeah, like with Sam, when I, I saw the album come, I was like, that's weird. And when I got the CD in the mail, which it needs to be on vinyl, Brandon Elbow, whoever needs to make this happen, make it happen now. The world needs it. Um, I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because um, I didn't listen to it. for I, I just got the CD. I looked at the covers like, okay. And I looked into the, the linear notes with the words. And I'm like, this is weird. And then I, the, as soon as I hit play, I was like, whoa what is this <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like this it's crazy i listen to weird stuff like i like i listen to like weird experimental stuff like shoo shoo i'll listen to like bird sound right like i love weird i love weird music and the weirder the better like it can't be weird enough for me i can just listen to like a high pitch for three hours if you do it right i i, I would love it you and, and Jeff this Blue the, would get along just fine. Okay, good. I'm going to contact him. <laughs> but this is up there. This is so weird. And I, okay, spoiler, I love this album. All right, that's my review for this album. <laughs> Killer. All right. And we've mentioned the album art um, several times. We've talked, about, we've talked about album art a lot on this podcast because we feel like album art is part of the product. It's part of the art form. Definitely. And... Um, you just see these three look biker gang looking guys on the front. Um, and I love with the circus like, on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I love the mythology this creates of this band formed from, well, I love the, the bio that tooth and nail used to have on their website. It was mm-hmm. like out of the ashes of 20 bands, Norman horse gathers, all the refugees from these rock bands to help create something new and exciting. <laughs> do you know, do you have any stories behind the artwork on this, um, Mark? I do. I have a lot. I mean, okay, okay, tell how me long you got, man? How long? You all got? night. Um, go. So, okay. First thing, uh, don't let me forget Bon Voyage, but, um, so the album, we won't, um, originally, at the time that we were making this thing, I was spending a lot of time with some of my buddies back in um, in Fresno because we were still living in, in Southern California, my wife and I. And uh, I had really gotten into like the designer toy, uh, you know, the pop surrealist movement and all that and, and still very much am. But uh, I came from Fresno, which there was a guy named Tim Biscop from Fresno. If you look up Tim Biscop, uh, you'll you'll see where I'm going at with this. But we, we used to go to all these trade shows um, because my my friend Paul Crookshank back home uh, had started a platform of 
of basically vinyl toys, but they weren't vinyl. Point being, it was a platform for other artists to put their stuff on. Uh, you've probably seen the Dunnies and all that kind of stuff. Well, these were called Circus Punks. And uh, one of his original artists was a guy named Crayola, who I was a huge, huge fan of. And I mean, I, I, I wanted his artwork on this record so bad. And uh, I asked him, you know, when we were still kind of coming up with the ideas. Hey, you know, do you think you would do this? And, you know, let's just say. <laughs> the budget was not really ready. So we had to come up with a different idea. And um, uh, I talked to uh, Ryan Clark. You know, he was doing a lot of artwork for uh, Tooth and Nail Now. Now, of course, he's, you know, Invisible Monster. And he and his brother are, are icons in the field. Um, we talked on the phone a few times. And he just asked me, you know, kind of what I had in mind. And, you know, maybe we should do a, a photo shoot. So, uh, this buddy of mine, Scotty Diablo, he's just like I'm a mover shaker type of cat in Southern California. He uh, loved Neon Horse and said, "I wanna, I wanna be part of this. It's um, let's let me know when you're taking pictures. Um, I got something." So he had this photographer um, meet up with myself. Scotty and this other fellow whose name is going to escape me forever. Um, who's like a bit, bit actor. He was in Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. Anybody that looked, looked a little ragged, you know? <laughs> so Scotty at the time had this crazy long beard and this other fellow had this long beard. And then, you know, I didn't have any kind of facial hair except for my gigantic mustache. So we, um, dressed up in all these weird clothes and drove all around Southern California taking these pictures. Um, brief side note, after Scotty and his friend bailed, uh, a guy ran into my car and me and the photographer chased him down the freeway for a while until he disappeared. Anyway, so we put all these pictures <laughs> together. And, uh, Very neon horse. <laughs> speed, yeah, speed kills. Speed kills <laughs> so we took all these pictures and, um, and uh, you know, um, it was, it was weird. Cause we had shot, you know, we were going to shoot a video. We knew, so we wanted to incorporate some of the, the images from the video and, um, we sent it all to tooth and nail. And I don't think they used any of them. <laughs> I think they might've skipped them entirely. I don't know. I, I can't remember, but, uh, Ryan <laughs> said, Hey man, I'm going to base some characters off of these photographs. And, uh, that was how the art came about. He's like, give me some images that match the music, you know? And Ryan, I think, really enjoyed the music, man. It was a lot different from what he was used to doing. And, of course, by default, it's a little different. So um, I wanted a feeling of chaos and, uh, of you know, things going askew that are supposed to be f fun. And uh, I, I remember specifically the carousel. I just thought, you know, a picture of a burning carousel would be amazing. <laughs> you know, so little kids playing on something that's on, I don't know, stuff like that. Just kind of anything weird, anything that wasn't uh, normal and, and, and calm. I, I was into it. And uh, <laughs> dude, Ryan, uh, Ryan actually, you know, I told him about Crayola and how I wanted him as the cover. And he just, he said, I think, you know, we could keep things a little more streamlined um uh since we can't really afford him anyway 
so let me show you what I got. And he basically just threw down this very cut and dry ACDC inspired neon horse logo uh, and, you know, playing black with the yellow ride. You know what I mean? Like no frills album cover. And it was just so badass. <laughs> so, you know, he added some other stuff later and everything, but um, really a lot of that art and a lot of the, the vision from it came from Ryan listening to the music and just sort of interpreting it on his own. And um, there you go, dude. Children on fire. I thought it was a circus all these years. Children well, like, on fire. You know, <laughs> like a carousel. You know, little kids are supposed to play on the carousel. So we wanted to we wanted oh, like man. a merry-go-round carousel on fire. I mean, no, no, no babies burning or anything. But uh, you know, um the whole idea was to just want it to be kind of bonkers, uh, a little off-putting, you know, because the message of the record was that everything you think is is so wonderful sucks. <laughs> So that's pretty much did it. you want us to did you want us to remind you of bon voyage now or is that for later uh that's for later that's for later it's okay. a little sidebar uh, okay yeah. all okay. right <laughs> i say i kind of have my own um idea of the philosophy of this record and it ties into a little bit what you said so we'll get there we will get there cool, at the cool. end yeah all right um, i think enough preamble we've talked for okay. 15 minutes and we haven't talked about one song yet so let's do let's this let's do it man all let's right um so for this first song, I think um, I'm going to start off, then Aaron, and then you can cool. tell us how wrong we are. Um, okay. That's a good way everything. to start. That's a good way to start. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. So first off, we have, um, I think, technically, I don't know if Tooth and Nail have released it as a single, but the first song and the single, Cuckoo. Yeah. Exclamation mark. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! <laughs> so from the get-go, this song is just a shotgun of weird. Um, mm -hmm. it's a it's a lean mean two minutes and twenty five seconds. Just that's the idea. But, yeah, it's a shotgun. Um, I pit in here the the music is like if Oingo Boingo did something with Def Leppard. That's what it reminded okay. me of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> hey man, whatever. And <laughs> I I do love the the insane voices I hear here. Um, I mentioned it in the previous episode, but I honestly did not realize this was just Mark Solomon singing. I thought it was two guys singing um, because That's we have such idea. distinct voices here. Yeah. And I took the lyrics in this one. The until I sat down and really concentrated and read the lyrics as I was listening to this. This song never, the lyrics never stuck with me what they were supposed to mean, but I think what it kind of aims for is how stupid and crazy it is to blame others for your own mistakes. Um, how cuckoo that is, if you will. You know, um, there's bits in it about something coming to haunt you for what you've done and, you know, just blaming others and saying it's not your fault. That's yeah. at least what I took from it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, this is a crazy good opener. Um, if you want to know who Norman Horse is, who Neon Horse is, just listen to the song. It tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, Aaron. <it> does. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Do we lose Aaron? No, no. I'm here. Um, I was just clearing my throat. Sorry. I didn't want y'all to hear that. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Um classic jason guitar the intro throughout and i'm with you shotgun of um weirdness um the shimmering keyboard so since i don't know 
what that is in the background at the beginning and throughout are just amazing. Um, and I'll, okay, I'll ask that question at the end. But anyway, um, this song is wacky and fun, just like the rest of this album. This is like, and I'll say this a lot, this is like a, a party album with a chainsaw that's running through the streets on fire. <laughs> the intro to this song just sets the tone for this album. And like, I remember the first time CD I hit play and it just started, I was like, okay, this sounds kind of Jason-y. And then when the the vocals come, I'm like, what in the world? Um, I like how the vocals change at the minute and 42nd mark. Um, this song's a jam. Um, and I hear what you said, Sam, but I took this more, and we're probably both wrong. Mark will correct us here in a second. But to me, this song was about the about lust and how like you're running from it or you embrace it either way, that it's always like around us. And I don't mean lust like sexually, just like the lust of you know, pride, greed, all that stuff, how it's always on our trail and we're trying to escape it or embrace it. Some people, you know, that's how I took it. It's twisted mm-hmm. fun, this song. Um and um it kind of sounds like the emergency album um to me like it has that vibe yeah and then yeah and then I'm gonna ask this question and then turn it over to you Mark um how did you get your vocals to sound the way you did in this song and what was the effects throughout the album like go ahead hmm. well uh as far as the I'm trying to figure out where to start with that. Um, the how they got my voice to sound like that was just me singing. I mean, truthfully, yeah, there's some tweaks here and there and stuff, but uh, in truth, most of it is just intended to be uh, sh- showing that I can sing. I don't know, you know, I, I wanted to. That's amazing. That's amazing. I wanted, I wanted to be able to sing, dude. You know, like. I, it's so even even Stavesacre to a certain degree, you know, there was only so much I could do with that, and you know, it was so overly serious to the point of being almost kind of comical, really. But uh, you know, um, it's it's distracting me right now. I'm trying to think of the name of our producer because he's amazing and he did both records and he's so good, but. Uh, Okay, this this is the idea. We wanted it to sound good. Like we wanted it to sound like an old school record made on tubes, you know, warm and biting. Everything was supposed to sound like like a classic record, like an old Larry Norman record, you know. I mean, all those old albums uh that Larry put together were so professional and there was no Christian rock thing at all. He was just this guy making these incredible records. So we were trying to go from there, but we absolutely 100% decided to write a Christian rock album. Like we said, this is going to be a Christian rock album just because I'm not ashamed of my faith. People always love to make that something they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I'm not trying to market my faith. So, you know, how do you do that without how do you make a Christian rock album without marketing your faith? Well, this was our best attempt, truthfully. Um, and uh, the song, <laughs> uh, the song was about, it was inspired by uh, my job at the time, which was tending bar at a nightclub with all these uh, 
very, very wealthy Southern California kids coming in, treating all the bar staff like shit. And um, I just thought like every one of these people in here uh, has it so good, man. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I felt like uh, watching the way they treated each other, watching the way they treated me and the guy and the, and, and the guys and girls behind the bar. I wanted a, a relief. Uh, I wanted the release of my sarcastic uh, mind. And so I put it down on a record. Um, you know, you're, uh, there's, there's another song on the album that's more specifically about that crew group of people, but that was sort of the, the, the uh, catalyst for where we were going with it. Like all the things that our society shows as, as something to achieve and to attain uh, have major cracks and uh we should just norman being the the uh sort of malignant presence um decided you know he was, wasn't gonna let you hide all your bullshit and that was really the record's all about calm calling it out that's all so okay that made sense so yeah Cuckoo, you know uh if you listen to some of the lyrics you you know um uh, you know, bands were always getting blamed for something that a kid did who was listening to the record. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. Kid. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, nah, man, you you raised that kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. your kid. Yeah. Parents parents getting mad at bands for this song and that song. And like, no, nah, man, uh, we are we came after. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. kid is who you made, and so you know, if you listen to that with this song, when you hear this song. And you think of that, um, I think it makes a lot more sense, you know. Uh, I hear that now. I'm looking at the lyrics. I'm looking at the lyrics now, and then I see that now. That makes sense. I mean, these these people come into the club, dude, and they're just just incredibly rough, you know. So much money, man. You look out in the parking lot, and they got it good. But then they come in, and it's just like two drinks, and everybody's a target, man. And you're just like, dude, I just want to get through the night. (laughs) <laughs> all right so while we're on the topic of this song can you tell us about the music video yes was that okay, you sure. under all that makeup and what the yes heck was it was him on it? it was him on that it was definitely mark under that makeup guys it's, it's it's all i'm the only one in there really that's a grown person um dude that was the most legit video shoot i've ever done in my whole life in any capacity I mean, I did a, a pretty uh, bougie one with Stavesacre for Uneclipsing, you know. We got to do it at the studio where we tracked that. That was awesome. But this thing, dude, they flew me to New York. I met this filmmaker and his crew of like 30 people. They had sets. They had a projection screen. They had the whole deal. And um, they had little kid actors. <laughs> I mean, everything. And uh you know, the idea that I wanted to do was the whole whole point between Neon Horse, uh, this sort of runs through both of the records with the two main voices. Yeah, there's a lot of other voices, but it's two main voices, right? It's that dipped in whiskey guy and then that silky guy, you know. Uh, the dipped in whiskey guy is Norman, and that's the one who calls out your bullshit, you know. The silky one is the one who's telling you, no, everything you're doing is fine, man. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. You've got to figure it out. And uh, that was at least the initial stance. Um, I don't know if that 
stayed consistent all the way through. But when it came time to do the video, we wanted two completely separate looking sets. So like one set was all white, you know, with uh, the big white circles around my eyes. And it was not a blackface thing at all. It was 100% about the contrast between two It wasn't blackface, no. Yeah. Well, it, it, wasn't. it was funny because I come out of makeup in all white, but they put, they made the, uh, if you look at the video, the eye makeup isn't consistent. And that, that was the only, my only thing that kind of bothered me about it was in the all white get up, the black circles around my eyes were just supposed to be a little more stark, you know, uh, a little more distracting and truthfully to kind of hide my face a little bit. And then when the, with the jet black, with the white circles around my eyes, it's just, a uh, you know, the opposing, uh, persona. Well, when I walked out of makeup <laughs> with this all over my face, some of the crew didn't immediately get that. They thought, what is this dude doing? This dude is about to do blackface, you know, uh, which it didn't even occur to me until that moment. Like, oh, it didn't occur not. to me until you just said it right now. <laughs> I, I, I thought it all. I didn't see that. I thought all. it was just like a negative, like a, a camera effect. Was, is, I thought, yeah, like, yeah, I me, was. Too. me too. 100%. Me too. Me <laughs> too. So, you know, and the, the makeup, the hair, the hat, the clothes, everything black is as flat as we could get it. All the, you know, you look at the set, everything in the room is either white or black. You know, it was literally meant to, to just be a stark image of contrast. And that was, you know, and I don't think they felt super comfortable until I came out in the white and they saw kind of the idea behind it. Cause there was definitely a moment where people were like, what does this dude think he's doing? You know, um, is he cuckoo, and, you know, cuckoo? Yeah. And of course, you know, I wasn't doing a minstrel show or whatever. I, you know, I was that was couldn't be further from the 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 mindset and um, and then you know the running with the scissors. I mean the whole idea. Go back to the burning carousel. It's like you know an element of danger. What are you not supposed to do as a kid? Don't run with scissors. So the kids all have like knife fake knives and scissors and they're running around with blindfolds on. <laughs> we are just like this is. This is a literal trans translation of what you have raised your children to be a bunch of lunatics running with scissors everywhere, you know? And, um, wow. you know, all of the, like the vintage footage and all that stuff we wanted. I just wanted it, images of chaos, you know, because that's what happens when you, when you turn people into little monsters, you know, it just, they leave a wake of chaos behind them. Side note. In the video, when I'm running in place and the kids are chasing me, I almost puked. Why? Why? I had to run in place for like a half an hour, man. Oh dude, my gosh! I, I mean, dude, I used to I used to smoke. I was I was a smoker at the time. I was dying. You know, like that was my idea. Let's 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 do a thing where it's like I'm fake running in place, you know, and the kids will run behind me. It'll look so stupid and awesome. You know, we wanted it to look ridiculous, you know. So um, you came up with the idea. So all the so the, the video was your vision? Yeah, yeah. But the the guy who shot the video for us, whose name long, he definitely made that a reality. I mean, anybody can have ideas. This dude was like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this. We can grab all these uh, you know, this footage from these archive things that are, you know, public use. Anybody can put them in there and we'll just make it as 
as chaotic as possible, you know. So when um, there's one point, I think we drop a lizard down the. I'm dressed as Santa Claus, and I drop like a, a Godzilla down the the chimney. It's I don't know, dude. It was just all those things were just stuff. Me and him would just spitball ideas that would were, were uh, against the usual perception, and that was really all it was, dude. Just try to try to call stuff out on its face. So I, I you know, whether or not we executed it with a pristine vision, I don't know, but that was our goal. All right, well, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on to the next song. But before we go, we do we have different rating systems here and, and sandwich to the end. I do mine throughout and at the end. And so I just want to say that cuckoo, cuckoo is my third favorite song in this album. Right. Three stars. And oh yeah, just a little disclaimer, there's no bad song in this album. So yeah, <laughs> but this is three stars. Good so. for me. That's very convenient for me. <laughs> All right, speed kills. You want me to take this first, Sam? Go Hold on it. a second. I want to tell you yeah. one quick thing before okay. you go to Speed Kills. Sure. I don't know if okay. you know this, but the the TV show Sons of Anarchy, uh, that was my big, my only big placement in my entire career of music. They used two seconds of the song Cuckoo on the show Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> no. Um, wow. When, uh, when, what's her, <laughs> I don't know what her name is on the show, but she was Peg Bondi. You know, she hits this. A uh, little girl who's having an affair with her old man. She hits him with a skateboard in the face on the show, and that's the music that's playing in the background is cuckoo. So, a little trivia for you. The only reason I know that is because in all the YouTube comments on the music video, they're like, "Man, I can't believe I heard this in Son of Sons of Anarchy." How did they Katie, hear the song? Katie, I mean, it's... Katie, Katie Seagal. That's her name. Her yeah, that's her real name. Yeah, uh, that's her real name. And what's her name on the show? I don't know. Anyway, you know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we know. We're there. We got. All right. So, Speed Kills. um, Also, another three star um, song. Oh yeah. So, so here we do like a five star um, rating, just so you know, Mark. So three is, I guess, medium. We'll take a medium. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not okay. Okay. So, so we're comparing these songs to Jason's whole, his whole over, his whole discography. So it's like going up against like <laughs> Leave yeah, Your yeah. Stranger songs and everything. So if, yeah, if this was if, if this album was just a separate band, it would be different. So I'm sorry. So just no, they'll be higher. You're not gonna hurt it, my feelings, man. I can't yeah. it. <laughs> so if this was if if Starfire didn't exist and it was just Neon Horse, it would be different. So anyway, yeah, so three so is not three here is like great. That's fine <laughs> right, with so, me, man. Okay, so. So Speed Kills, I love the deep um, sound of the vocals. Um, when, when you go deep, it sounds very sinister. I love sinister stuff. Um, the breakdown at the two minutes mark, two minute mark is cool. It's very killer. Um, this, um, the, the song sounds like a kidnapper is telling his victim to be quiet. It's insane (laughs) this uh but it it, i mean it's insane and i love it it's like i watch a lot of i like to call it murdertainment true crime stuff so i in my head when i heard the song i just see like some weird like scene on like unsolved mysteries somebody's kidnapping somebody and this is like playing the background um the intro to this song reminds me of um the lights out on the old album by starfire um and then it gets really crazy from there um, yeah. And this is my second favorite song on the album. No kidding. Um, 
All right. Um, so on this one, I did say uh, Solomon. <coughs> excuse me. Sounds straight up menacing. Um, I get now. You said that more menacing voice was your Norman voice, generally, right? Uh, the, the Norman one is like the more like the filthy, uh, you know. Uh, you can say what you want, you know. Like just okay, like, I got gotcha. you. The dude, the dude that, that sounds like he just crawled out of a whiskey barrel. I got you. Okay. Um, This one feels, at least in arrangement, like a Martin song. Um, Jason Martin has this thing where he does, um, he'll take a distinct melody and then let that play on the verses and then let the hook be the chorus more so than even the lyrics. He just lets the hook be the chorus and that's it. Um, And I feel that very strongly in the song. I love the bouncy keys in the background. Um, I can definitely see how someone would mistaken that for Ronnie's keys, which, you know, maybe it's just the, the whole entire war brothers. We grew up on the same music, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to sound alike. And, um, I said the lyrics. So in my kind of head canon, this is all coming from like this mysterious band. Who's trying to kind of give it up to the man. And so like in my head, the lyrics were all about, like an artist being ignored and even manipulated by the, the big evil um, record executives and, you know, um, being threatened and being told that nothing they do or say matters, just get back in the machine. And they're kind of fighting back against that. That was the feelings I got from the lyrics, but um, Mark, tell us how we're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This album was mostly meant to be about, uh, Sometimes uh, part of your your own personality takes over, and um, and you don't you don't really have a say, you know. Um, I mean, really, I wouldn't go much further than that. It's like when you find yourself in the midst of a situation in which you you look back and go, "What? You know, uh, what what was I even thinking?" That's this song, truthfully. Uh, to me, that was what I was shooting for. Like, you know, um, you don't have possession of yourself. Uh, you, you're not, you don't have it all figured out, man. You, you're, you're fla- floundering like everybody else. Um, and uh, I can tell you that that menacing vocal was 100% inspired by a mutual um, favorite of, of ours, uh, the band Sisters of Mercy from back in the 80s. Um, they had a song called Lucretia, My Reflection. And we always thought, we talked about it one day as being one of the coolest, creepiest songs ever. And that was really kind of the inspiration behind that personality on, on that song. I don't know if you're familiar with it. but maybe. I'm not, but it gives me, um, I'm always down for more music to look up. So. Oh, you need to you need to listen to that record. That is a, <laughs> That I'm too old. I'm too old for I'm too old for new music. I can't do that, Mark. No, no, you need this in your life, man. <laughs> Lucretia, my direction. Oh my god. Lucretia. Hey, hey, uh, Sam. Before we before we go, and can you guess what my favorite song in this album is? What would be your guess? Um, think about it. Think about it as we go through. All right, we'll we'll get there. Like I just we'll get we'll talk about it. All right. Okay. Um. Mark, why don't you kick us off from this next song? I know, but I just, I, just but, but I know, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, okay. J.R. McNeely. Boom. Oh, yes. killing me. <laughs> oh, killing me. It was completely taking He's me mentioned- out of this. Now I can let it go. Wait, so he was the producer for this it's, album? It says it says it says produced by Neon Horse and mixed by J.R. McNeely. Yeah, but J.R. is the one who gets those sounds. He and I'll I will uh we'll we'll get into it a little bit later. There's one song in particular that you should you should definitely know uh about what happened in the studio. But yeah, McNeely made this album. He took what we did in Jason's Square, which is quite literally a square shed with music tracking ability inside of it uh he took it well that's what it is now it was a bedroom uh he took it and turned it into what it sounds like now i mean it's beautiful dude i think the production on the record is beautiful okay now that i can keep my sanity i know i just don't care um it's like one of my favorite songs that we ever wrote uh i know it was one of martin's favorite songs on this album um the whole idea was, uh, you know, I was tending bar, like I told you, and uh, I did it. You get these moments when someone would come in and um, they were just too schnockered to keep their act together and they would spill their whole life story. And, and no matter who was sitting there, they had to listen to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm at, I'm behind the bar and some salty old bugger comes in and he starts talking all this stuff and whoever is sitting next to him is screwed for like the next 45 minutes. Good luck getting out of this conversation, you know. But then I my idea was like maybe uh, maybe that guy uh, has really seen some stuff and uh, maybe you kind of maybe you start off not wanting to hear his weird ass story, you know, and then um like in in the movie version of it it would be somebody you know the bartender and the staff around there like oh here he goes again and then you know as the guy's describing these events of his life you just kind of drift off into the actual living out of his life and then by the end everyone in the bar is sitting around him listening to his conversation and that was kind of that was the vision initially of it you know um and uh I don't know, man, where the lyrics came from was that I tried to make that a reality. You know, these dudes always have have stuff to them that are that's more layered than you would think. You know, the old booze hound that's that comes into your bar. Um, it turns out he's got this crazy life story that you would have never figured, you know. But what did you think? What you know? People don't come from nowhere. So uh, and I happened to be listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen at the time. So I thought. Wouldn't that be amazing if this dude was like a friend of Leonard Cohen's or something? <laughs> you know, I hope that okay, makes sense. Okay, see. No, okay, that makes more sense because I thought it was a reference to the Cohen brothers, like the movie makers, and I was... <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, this Sam. Is, uh... <laughs> all right, Bless man. your heart. Like Bless it. your heart. Okay, <laughs> man. I that. Uh, you know... Like he's sitting there and he's having this crisis, you know what I mean? Uh, his, his old lady left him. He's he's uh, he's down on his luck, um, you know. But you you don't really know what I've been through, kind of story. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's just where where it was at. And no, I, that that makes to make so much alive. more sense than what I was hearing. <laughs> you know, Johnny Cash would write these songs, dude. That were they're these whole stories. And he didn't do any of that stuff, you know, 
he didn't he didn't do any of those stories he never shot his wife you know what i mean but i <laughs> love that i always love that like that paint this picture of this of this life and see where what you can do with it you know uh you're a, a creator create something so that's Absolutely. what we did uh have you ever heard, go, go ahead, ahead go ahead mark no go ahead well, i was just gonna ask if you've if you've never heard the song uh, "Famous Blue Raincoat" by uh, Leonard Cohen, that was sort of an inspiration here. This 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 whole narrative that was so layered, and you're like, I cannot believe that this is that a human being wrote these lyrics. You know, gotcha. I, I absolutely do not consider this song to be on that level. <laughs> I'm trying to make the reference, like, gotcha. you know, hey man, uh, I know, I know Cohen. Okay. Well, I'll I'll go next. Um, is that cool, Sam? Yeah, have at okay. it. Okay, so this is another three-star song. Again, that means great here in this situation. Um, my eighth favorite song in this album, so that's interesting that this is you and Jason's favorite or one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. um, I like the change of tempo musically. Um, the vocals here are crazy, and I love it. The melody in the song is so captivating. Um, it's great melody. Um, love the keyboards and the layered vocals. Um, and, and it's funny you should say it because here in my lyrics, I say, I can see the narrator sitting at a bar retelling his tales of woe. And oh, then, man. of course, the Cohen knows my name. Immediately, I thought of Hallelujah, the song by Leonard Cohen, because this person obviously is going through some woe. And yeah. what's the most woeful yeah. song, but Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. And so <laughs> that was the connection I made in my mind. So I didn't think Blue Raincoat, but then I'm not a big Leonard Cohen fan. I've never listened to him, but I do, but I do know Hallelujah, and so that's what got me there. Um, yeah, so it's a solid song. What do you think, Sam? So my thought was this feels like a Starfire song once again. Um, like I can't say, you know, before we started this podcast, I would have recognized how, the patterns. How, but... does it, how does this sound like a Starfire song to you? Okay, um, go ahead. So I think that guitar riff is pure star Starflyer. I well, think. I thought okay, all right, okay. The verses in particular <laughs> are Lounge So my one of my favorite aspects of uh, Starflyer music is when he like just turns off the distortion and just goes straight up lounge music and like almost jazzy. I love that, and I hear that a lot in here. Um, but. And I love how it counterpoints the intense course. Like the, it's like this really loungy, smooth verse, and the course is just like smack you in the face. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Um, and if you hadn't told me you did all the singing in this, I would have swore that was Jason's vocals singing "Mr. Cohen and Me and You, Bartender." It just sounds so much like him. <laughs> uh, maybe I, 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 but that's definitely me. Uh, you know. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I agree, Sam. I, I, I did too. So it's funny. I think this is a great song. It just kind of continues the, it just continues this album going at a hundred miles an hour. Um, and the thing I dig about it, man, is that I, I feel like, you know, speed kills and this song together. We always, you know, we talked about in speed kills, we talked about um, like a, a clown car driving off a cliff you know when, when it comes to your emotions taking over your 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 life and you making bad decisions and to me like this continues the vibe of 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 that uh travel the lone traveler i guess i don't know i just picture this dude like 
maybe he rode a beat up old motorcycle across the desert and showed up at a bar and just started spilling his guts. And I, the music to me gave that image to my, in my mind, every single lyric that is on this record, every lyric on here was written in by being inspired by the music that was written for it. So, and I'm going to speak on that later about all these songs, but yes, I agree with what you just said. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, you talk about like the person going across the the state, the country on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you mentioned Johnny Cash earlier because he has a whole entire album called the The Rambler, and it's all about this guy getting in his car and breaking up with his wife and then driving across the country. And I and, mean, we're gonna keep taking it there, just so you know. <laughs> It's, it's definitely going to go there again. <laughs> All right. Um, next song, I'll just go ahead and go off on this one because I don't have a whole lot of notes about it. Uh, Crazy Daisy. Um, mm-hmm. I said the lyrics feel totally word salad, which you said they're kind of stream consciousness. So I, I get mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm at a loss on the lyrics. What I do mm-hmm. appreciate about this song, though, the part that sells this song for me and redeems it 110 percent is at about one minute and 45 seconds there's just the music almost stops and then there's like this gospel-esque uh yeah. like vocals and then like this foot stomp like dum bum bum while everyone's like just gospel singing oh my goodness i love that i could just listen to that 30 seconds on loop it's so good uh yeah yeah um, that makes me happy that you like that part man should I go or should we let Mark well, let's, go? Let's let Mark go first. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Mark. I mean, I I don't want to interrupt at all, man. I I just get so excited about this record. No, you're fine. <laughs> go for it. Go no, for no, it. no. Go ahead, Mark. No, go on. Go. Uh, so I mentioned McNeely, and that was this is why it was bothering me that I needed to come up with this. So, okay, McNeely and, and Randy Torres were in the studio when we sent the reels to them, you know? And, uh, I, I'll touch on that again for sure. Wait, uh, really quick. The, so you said real. So like you did analog recording for this? Well, I mean, that's just an expression. I think. Okay, I, I was curious if you guys had like old analog equipment. Never mind. Continue. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, he sent them the files. How about that? And uh, a lot of these songs got, uh, they, they put them on, you know, I don't know if, how much time you've spent in a studio, but there's like mixing speakers and then there's playback speakers, you know? So you mix on these shitty little things that sound terrible, you know, for the longest time, I think it was called the NS 10 or something. There were just these horrible speakers that were really tinny and sounded like trash. And the idea was if you could make those sound good, just about everything else sounds good later. And um, at a couple points, uh, Randy told me that they put the music up o- on the big speakers and just blasted it in the room. And uh, I think Martin was there for, for at least a lot of the mix. Um, they decided that uh, every song had to have kind of like a, uh, a bonus in it somewhere, you know, there's the mel, there's the, there's the verse, there's the chorus, there's even a, a bridge or a transition, but the bridge can't just be a bridge. It needs to be like a moment in the song. And this to me was the, this and Cuckoo were the first two elements where that really came across that whole breakdown, that gospel bit and all that stuff made me so happy to be able to put that on on tape somewhere <laughs> to sing that do you have any idea how 
happy I was to sing something like that, man. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do six lines of of uh, falsetto, and I'm gonna harmonize some of the falsetto. Plus, I'll do some of the mid range. I mean, like it was a blast, man, to be able to create something like that with um, with the with the weird transition of the marching. I think it was the guys all standing on a table or something. And they track themselves stomping on it. I, I honestly don't really remember how they got that marching sound, but it's the same. It's the same marching that happens in Speed Kills. Um, if that, uh, if you go back to that song, you'll hear the same, same uh, sound design. How about that? So, All right. and as far as as far as the the yes, the stream of conscious is nonsense. It's just it's ridiculous, you know. Um, but the ver the chorus is not. The chorus is absolutely 100% about my bar clientele. Uh, on nightclub nights, these girls would come in and they were just, you know, dressed to the nines. And, and uh, by the end of the night, their hair looks like it's been in a blender. They're missing a shoe. You know, part of their shirt is untucked or whatever. It's just, a you know, they come in, they would come into the bar all prim and proper and then just get annihilated and then you know uh the truth comes the true self comes out and so those were the crazy daisies to me and that's what i wrote this song about <laughs> i don't know wow i mean mark we're, we're gonna have to talk offline because I'm, I'm i'm a therapist <laughs> by a profession and what you just said like i just got <laughs> so many sorry it's fascinating it's super fascinating <laughs> and but i just said i need some gimme gimme i need some jibba jabba backstab i need a crazy days i need a daga saga hiroshima yeah. <laughs> because all, right, all, all night long the talk is just not it's just yeah it's yeah, it's yeah no it's just like so inane <laughs> nonsense yeah oh, yeah i, I know I mean, I, I know. Yeah, I hear you. I'm like, I live in Virginia Beach. I, I oh man, so much money down here. Yes. And I hear these talks and it's like, what are you even talking about? Like, it's, uh -huh. and, and then we have crypto and NFTs. Anyway, whatever. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's just so much jibber jabber. I hear you, man. Drives me crazy. Anyway, Sam, we're divorced because you didn't pick up that Crazy Daisy is my favorite song on this album. It's shame on you. <laughs> it's over, man. <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs that I've ever ever recorded. And I will tell you that the bass line on this song is, I believe, one of the main contributions from Mr. Stephen Dale. Oh, Stephen! All right, all right, all right. All right. This is a crazy person song, Mark. Yeah. And I'm yeah. a crazy person because I'm a therapist. And I love this song. <laughs> this, song this is the only four-star song on this album. And so, like I said, there's three is great. And then four is like masterpiece. And then five is like otherworldly, you know. And this is a four-star song. This song's amazing. That breakdown at the beginning is great. So are the guitar breakdowns um, after the chorus. This song is frantic and energetic in all the right ways. And like what Sam's talked about, that gospel vocal breakdown that you did. Made me, made me feel good, man. I Fucking mental, like man. <laughs> and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's the best part of the album. It's the best part of the album. Um, yeah, I mean, like I just said, I mean, in it's stream of conscious. And like before what you said, you know, share what it was about. I would, wouldn't have got that. But for me, what I've. But what I initially got from it was like 
as people, like just every person, you know, life, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know how we came here, how we got here. I mean, people want to believe, some people believe God, some don't, we can't put it in a lap, we don't know. It's it's very confusing. Why I have anxiety? Why I have depression? I don't want to have these feelings. I don't have these thoughts. Why do I have them? So to me, this song, we're all crazy daisies, and you talked about specific people, but at times we all are. And to me, the song just felt like life is crazy at times. We don't know why we lash out at our kids or our people we love or why we bought that sweater we know we didn't need, but it made us made us feel good. And to me, this song kind of captured that whole vibe, and I really appreciated that. It's fucking amazing. Thank you. Sorry, cousin. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Go ahead. Bother me at all. I know. <laughs> I mean, we've officially like topped any um, cursing count on this episode <laughs> in all our other episodes put together. So we're gonna have just... to put we have to put a warning on this one. <laughs> Do I have to finally put an explicit label on there? Yes. <laughs> yes. Do it. Do it. Um, Do it. I've avoided it for four years. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Mark, he's a rebel, the rebel from Reno. See what he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speak- I don't even know what's happening anymore, uh, Sam. Go ahead. Take control. <laughs> speaking of language, because um, I'm like a total Captain America. I'm just like, yeah, I'll prefer it. You know? But either way. And I'm Deadpool. And, I'll, and I'm Deadpool. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Kick your ass and for it. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, so this song, um, so far as I can tell, is a total diss track. It's just dissing someone, telling them what an idiot they are and how they need to get their life together. And once I'll I'll tell I'll kind of give my final thesis on this at the end, um, at least how it speaks to me because I know art speaks to people in different ways. But I wrote it's a creative workaround of using a cuss word. Because this is, like you guys said, a, a Christian rock record on a pseudo-Christian record label. And, like, especially, this was right at the tail end of stuff actually sold out in physical stores. And those stores would freak out if there was any language or anything suggestive um, oh, yeah. on the records. So this was an interesting way to work around that while still getting the idea across. Um, but also, for such an angry-sounding track... This is like surprisingly smooth music. Like it creates this wonderful dissonance of um, it reminds me of, you know, when your parent talks to you, especially um, as you get older and they they give this. I'm not mad at you. I'm just very disappointed. (laughs) That's totally what this song sounds like. Um, So, yeah, it's. Sometimes you're just asking for it. Aaron, what do you got? Um, the sludgy feel of this song sounds so good. The vocals and the chorus are so soulful. The most soulful performance um, outside the gospel performance. Um, it's a nice contrast from the cuckoo bananas <laughs> vocals mm-hmm. during the rest of the song. So it's like, again, like you were saying, the the different vocals you were trying. You definitely, It's definitely evident that... There's different vocals going on, and like Sam said too, I thought it was different vocals, vocalists too. But it's just you. Um, this, this, then, and that's just freaking amazing, really. I don't know how you do that. Um, this is my fourth favorite song on the album. Um, the bass is brutally thick and so good. It's Stephen, it's Stephen Dale on this one too. 
I don't remember. Probably. Probably. Okay. Is this, yeah, this was yeah. And this one is one of the longer songs, isn't it? I think on the record. No, I, I don't. There's two long ones. I think this might be in around the two minute mark or so, too. Mm-hmm. But um, this is my favorite song title on the album. Like Sam said, kiss your kick your ass for it. <laughs> what what did Jason think about that song title? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we do everything together. So that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> OK, right. yeah. I don't I don't name anything without uh, making sure that we we like we like it the same, you know, Um, but there is there's a whole there's a lot of history on this song, dude. I mean, uh, the kick you're asking for thing is a direct callback to Larry Norman playing around with those types of wordplay moments. And, um, you know. I actually edited myself. There's a line in there where I say, I'm the horn, not the bullshit. It's supposed to be, I'm the horn, not the bullshit, you know, but obviously we can't say that on yeah. Tooth and Nail Records. I personally think cussing's funny, so I don't care. I just don't. Yeah. Care. Uh, I don't think it's I agree. any value whatsoever. Um, the song is is uh, actually um, probably the meanest jam on here, probably, but uh, it's, it's a declaration of of uh, of who Norman is. Um, he's the loosest of cannons. His whole idea is to be the cat among the pigeons, you know, and uh, um, to rattle rattle people a little bit. And um, he's just saying straight up, uh, it's the end of the world, you know. Everything is falling apart around you. Uh, you can cling to all this crap if you want, but the truth is what's most important, and I'm not gonna let you get away with it, you know. So that's really that's really the very complex thing, you know. Um, and it's sort of trying to own all the disses that have come to to me uh, and to to the collective uh, artist who's trying to just paint a true picture, and then they get they get hassled for it. Um, and I'm not talking about cancel culture. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I'm saying um, when a person puts art out there that's confrontational and and makes people uncomfortable, folks tend to call them pretentious or whatever. And, you know, uh, I don't care. You know, the whole idea is I love what I do. You know, that's what he says. I, I'm the monkey in the wrench and I love what I do. You know, there's nothing you can do to stop me from being this person sitting in your church being all prim and proper um you know i'm almost a preacher's kid so it's basically a preacher's kid come to life you know and uh, and this song is two minutes and 36 seconds so yeah that's how long it is (laughs) you know imagine uh, imagine a preacher's kid who knows the real deal what's really going on and the world is ending around them and everybody's panicking about all the stuff that doesn't really matter you know Uh, you're just trying to like strip the facade that's really all the song's about there's a line in there though from one of my old bosses uh he 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 said uh he he said i was ugly as a mud fence and that's what that line is in there uh was a direct quote from my boss who is no longer living (laughs) oh no oh yeah man he was a real piece of wow (laughs) so there you go all right, moving right along. Um, so, Aaron, why don't you kick us off on Go Stop? 
All right. So um, a while back, we, we had Ronnie Martin on um, to help us review the Brothers Martin record that him and his brother did, Jason. And he talked about that Dead Man's Zone of albums. And on this album, for me, this happens a little earlier. Normally it's around like if it's like a 12 track album around like 10, 11, whatever, or eight is when that happens where it's just like kind of filler and that stuff on this album these next three songs for me are the filler so, <laughs> so starting off yeah so um go stop two and a half stars which still mean that's average and mm -hmm. i'm in that um it's my 10th favorite song on this album the vocal harmonizing here is pretty pretty rad um in the lyrics it referenced i mean it's it's at this point on the record and I'll mention, talk, elaborate this later, but it kind of, it's samey, you know, um, there's not a huge diversity of sounds here. And so this song falls into uh, just another song, this album, but there's a reference to the Fountainhead, um, the Fountainhead book. Um, and this, and Sam, you mentioned earlier, another song I can't remember right now that sounded Starfire. To me, this is the most Starfire 59 sounding song. It gives me like, I'm the Portuguese blues vibes. Um, but Mark, could you talk about the Fountainhead re reference? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, this is, this was probably one of the last songs we wrote. Um, and, uh, I think we wrote it because he, uh, there's a, a part in the song. He just, we just really wanted to put into a song and I, and, I'm going to have a hard time recreating that, but there were a couple of musical elements that we just really wanted to see in a, in a jam and see if we could make it work. And um, it was uh, uh, the, the, the Fountainhead reference and all that. I'm not an Ayn Rand fan at all. Um, I read the book and I, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was uh, completely detached from reality. But I, I do think uh, there are some, some interesting characters on there you know dominique francone was like the love interest and then pd keating was like the sellout corporate guy who went the way he was told to go all the time you know and it's it's 2007 versus 2022 ayn rand has definitely changed in terms of relevance in this country's political makeup um I wasn't trying to uh, to reference Ayn Rand as much as I was referencing the characters in the book. So, you know, Dominique Francone, you know, she fancied herself to be so high and prim and proper. And Petey Keating was this kind of sellout who thought he was, you know, doing every all the things he was supposed to do. And in truth, he was just, you know, run, running his life down. And the idea being, you know, you think you're one thing but you're truthfully you're you're another and um gotcha okay you know. that makes a lot of sense um so i'm glad you explained that because i did not have any idea who peter keating or dominique franken was i must have missed out on that bit of pop culture because i was you know a young dumb 16 year old when this song came out so I don't, I don't think Fountainhead's pop culture. I think that's just like <laughs> literature. Stuff. Yeah, I don't think that's pop culture, but go ahead. <laughs> um, this is the classic big and loud 70s rock song, though. Um, it gives me the emergency vibes. Hmm. 
like um, Enemy Ship, The Emergency, The uh, Atlantic Album That Never Was by Jason Martin yeah, and Company. I know what um, it is, yeah. Yeah, this gives me those vibes big time. Mixed with like New Wave, which I think is very much this project's bread and butter. Loud 70s rock with New Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said the lyrics, and I think this is kind of what you were saying a minute ago. They deal with the idea of mindlessly following the crowd and just obeying... Mm-hmm. What doing what you're told, um, and just being you know a, a lemon as it were, right? And um, so yeah, I I don't have much more to add honestly because you guys already did awesome. So what I will do is move on. And Aaron, I disagree with these net these at least these next three tracks. I think are some of the best because <laughs> um, so I have an ongoing theory, and I don't know if Jason Martin does it purposely or not i have no idea but each album has a trilogy of songs about three songs that seem to thematically flow into each other very well every time and um for this next three songs i'm calling this the um seduction trilogy or the seductress trilogy um and um on this one the uh it's once again enemy ship vibes but it's almost like a body 70s rock that it's a take on a woman who takes men uses them up and kicks them out um kind of a a flip on traditional narrative um of you know men who take up women use them up and then kick them out of their lives and either way it's that emotional detachment of just using something for your own carnal pleasure and then just kicking it out of your life. And a lot of times that sadly is people. And as another layer, this is a good metaphor. And I don't know if this is what you guys are going for or not, but it's a good metaphor for um, things like sin, drugs, take your, you know, take your vice. That's going to tear you up. Um, It feels really good at first, but ultimately it sucks you in, tears up your life. And then just kicks you to the curb and you're just left there, you know, vomiting on the floor. And, um, yeah, that's this song for me, um, is all about that. Okay. Aaron, what do you got? Um, this song's a hundred percent rock and roll. Let it fly. Let's just jam party music. Perfect it. Um, I, I agree with you too. More in, in, was it emergency in enemy sh- ships? I can't remember <laughs> which was. Well, like. no one could decide what the title was, so it yeah, was the emergency <laughs> dash enemy ship. Okay, so very em- the emergency esque lyrics, and I don't know if this was a Kurt Cobain reference, um, but the lyric "burn bright and bright fast" because I'm burn bright and fast because he says it's better to burn out fast than to die. Whatever, I can't remember, but that struck me as being a Kurt Cobain lyric, and again, this is on the. And you're right, Sam. Not only does he do Jason do trilogy of songs on albums, he also does trilogy of albums, which you've famously documented on this uh, documented on this podcast. And this is probably my least favorite trilogy, so I'm not going to waste our time. Two stars, the bathroom wall. Um, so, Mark, am I right about the Kurt Cobain lyric? And then, who's the what's the Jones Hall of Fame about? <laughs> uh. This is funny to me, man. Uh, well, a f- couple things. Uh, first of all, I, I 
I want you to know the only reason why I'm doing this is because it's so far removed from the time the music was made. I like people to try to let things turn into what they want their them to turn into. And I'm always afraid I'm going to disappoint them when I really tell them what they're about. You know, it's like people sometimes have a much more elaborate view of what I've written than I actually have. And I feel like a jackass because I'm like the simpleton. But Oh, I accept, especially <laughs> with Jason Martin lyrics. I accept that I way overthink it more so than he probably ever does. You know, it's just, uh, and, and, and then, yes, you know, I, I probably blew that a little bit just because at the very beginning, I said a lot of this stuff I didn't want to overthink, but this song, uh, Un, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to sh to shake y'all up a little bit. This is the very first song we wrote. Um, this one and uh, one other one we wrote at the same time, and um, <clears throat> this was the first song though that where we thought we might be able to make an album, and um, it is about a bar in uh, Santa Monica called Jones that. Um, we used to go to after we played at, and by we, I mean Staves Acre. Um, if we went to a show or played a show at the Troubadour, you could walk over to Jones pretty easily. And um, the first time I ever went in there, uh, we went and got some dinner and all this. And I go to use the restroom and I go into the bathroom and there's thousands of well, hundreds of pictures of girls flashing their boobs uh in uh, polaroid photographs uh laminated and put behind a plastic uh protective sheet and that was the wallpaper of the room where all these pictures of all these girls flashing the camera and the first thought in my mind as i'm standing there peeing <laughs> is what if you walked in here and that was your kid on the wall like <laughs> like what that's sad yeah that's my Damn. daughter dude you know oh and i just gosh. thought i thought what the what is happening here and um you know it's all these chicks in there you know they're in various stages of intoxication and uh you know or, or otherwise and i and i just thought like Jeez, man, you gotta, you gotta keep something sacred, don't you? You know, uh, like somebody could see you tonight if your picture's in here. And I couldn't let it go, I, you know. Um, and um, I just sort of pictured this, you know, kind of bad girl who, you know, she thought she had it all figured out, and the kind of dudes who just take advantage of those types of people, you know. And how it's just like this cyclic thing. It just goes on and on and on. And eventually you end up on the Jones Hall of Fame. And there you go. There's your song. Dude. And, she, and she comes late. She comes at all. That's what she said. You know, well, I wasn't going there. I was like, you know, like that kind of like I'm I'm entirely too. Uh, I'm entirely too uh, uh, ahead of the curve for you guys. If I show up, I I, I might show up. You know, people who say they're going to they're going to come to a party and then they just kind of blow it off later. Oh, yeah. Okay. That oh, sort okay. of thing. It's like that kind of shallow, uh, no real connection to humanity. And then, you know, yeah, here's a shot of my of me with my shirt, you know, and just yeah. like and it's this there forever <laughs> on the yeah. wall of this freaking bar. And so that's it, dude.
I mean, it's not super complicated. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned this. This is my 11th favorite song on this 12-song album. No kidding. But, okay. Yeah. I like it, dude. I dig it. I like how it's like... Um, it's still good. That's still good. It doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, no, I get you. I like <laughs> that it's... I felt like it was a nice... It had a really good pace. Felt good. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep going with my head cannon because I just, I feel like all that stuff you said still fits into my personal themes. So I'm going to okay, be yeah. delusional. I here. dig that. I'll, I'll <laughs> accept that, man. All right. Aaron, do you want to kick us off on this next song? Yes. Let's see. Nice for you. <laughs> this is my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> mm hmm. It's two stars, which still, it's good. Not terrible. It's not Nickelback or Christian Praise and Worship, so. Lord. <laughs> we made, like we made the Nickelback bar. So. No, that would be negative five stars. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so at this point on this album, the formula has been pretty established. It's expertly controlled rock energy. With the driving beat and over the top vocals that are just in in crazy insane, um, what uh, you know, it's another song in that vein. So it's just like okay, here's you know, this is not it's not a terrible song, but it's not like it's kind of derivative at this point. But again, at the end, I will redeem this what I'm saying. So just hold on. But it is derivative of the sound. I feel like this is like a lyrically. I feel like this is a hard rock pirate shanty. I don't know if you were going for that, but that's the vibe I get. Okay. What do you think, Sam? <laughs> oh yeah, two stars. Twelve favorite song. Go, Sam. Okay. Um, mm. See, I feel like this song is a, a turning point in the album where it kind of looks back towards the gothic rock um, of like Cuckoo and Speed Kills. And we even get, like, a lot of gothic imagery of kingdoms and ghosts. Um, and this song is more about the feeling than the specifics, I feel like. The only lyrical thread I could grab onto is gain the world tonight. And then talking of, you know, chasing after ghosts. And um, I feel like that echoes the biblical sim sentiment of gain the whole world but lose your soul. Um, and really, in general the the things that you're chasing for pleasure like you were talking about a minute ago mark you know all these girls that are just chasing this these moments of of pleasure and moments of um excess whatever ultimately it ends up being as vapid as ghosts and ends up being nothing and you just kind of lose in the end and you you feel like you've gained the whole world for a minute and you got nothing to show for it. Um, you know, I can I can speak to this personally. Um, I've struggled, you know, before with like addictions to pornography and stuff, and that's just stuff will tear you up where you just you're chasing, 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 and never full. And um, so yeah, I feel like this song continues in that trend of being seduced by just vapid worldly things. So yeah, I mean, I think you're you're pretty close but again anytime anytime on the record where i'm i'm talking about something like this every one of these songs yeah i've talked about the people at the bar and all that stuff they're still all meant to be 
me. That's why there's two personal personas. It's like, I'm a hypocrite, you know. I am a hypocrite. I was raised a hypocrite. I embraced being a hypocrite. And uh, I fight being a hypocrite every day. You know, this, this song, uh, it's still, every one of them is still autobiographical to some degree, you know. Um, every fault is owned. But uh, I will tell you, this is the other song we wrote this and bathroom wall at the same time and the reason i couldn't remember but i i the lyric where i go hey man i got nothing that was one of the first things that martin asked he was like i want a song with a break where you just say hey man you know <laughs> and, yeah uh, i think that part's hilarious there was no real artistic merit there it was literally i just want to hear that i think it'll be funny and sound weird and when i did it uh, Martin was at his desk, you know, uh, in front of the uh, monitor. And I usually set up, you know, about six feet behind him with the, with the mic. So I can't see his face, you know, he'll spin around and, and we'll talk after I do something. But, uh, when I did that, I could tell that he, uh, well, his whole body was scrunched up and he was shaking uncontrollably because he was laughing at me. And so is Jason, does Jason have like a really good sense of humor? Oh yeah, man. That dude's oh, one okay. of the funniest cats I know. I mean, it's really, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think someone's uh, ever said that before. No, he's, he is not a stoic in my opinion, but you know, maybe, uh, that's just, I don't know, man. I, I, he and I, can make each other laugh and that's really was like i told you guys at the beginning that was kind of the goal for the record was if i can make martin laugh i feel like i've got something going right and um it was just supposed to be ridiculous i mean you know not, uh, so much of staves acre and maybe to a certain degree starfire i don't i can't speak for jason but you know everything's so overly serious like let's just let loose and do something weird and, you know, this is still continuing with that theme of, like, calling bullshit on on all of it. You know, everybody knows who's selling their soul. Let's not play around, okay? We know what you're doing. Everybody knows what's going on right now, you know. Um, side note, the lyric, uh, never easy for the Twilight Zone, is why my handle on all social media is the Twilight Zone. And I really wish I had never chosen that because it's really hard to type correctly as all one word. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. All so right. Go, um, and uh, last stop on my personal trilogy um, that I'm just delusionally hanging on to. Um, Mark, why don't you kick us off on Little Am here? Okay. Uh, you know, man, I'm trying to remember... There was something about um, there was something about Madonna. I don't know. It's like when you somebody made a video of this song, like a fan made a video of this song, and they threw all these pictures of Madonna in there. So anytime I hear this, that's the thing I think of is that video <laughs> that that kid made. And I don't know what they wow. put her in there for, but they sure did. Um, uh i mean this is a lot of of just kind of like you know oh you thought you were 
you thought you were going to be able to get away with this um and look at it bit you in the in the tail you know and i follow that up that's a theme that comes again and again in all the neon horse songs you know it's that like cautionary tales are kind of the only tales we know um but i do have a cool little story about this song if you'd like to hear it um always there is um this song has the laugh okay um okay i when, love that laugh and i'll talk about it in a minute but go ahead when, when i did that martin was not ready for that at all <laughs> and uh we wanted it to sound insane you know um at one point when they had the files at the studio randy told me they turned this up and soloed the laugh and spun it around the speakers like like in a it's I think it goes like, you know, if you listen to it on four speakers, I think it might actually go around the room if you hear it that wow. way. Wow. I'm not yes. sure, but I know that they did that in the studio. And uh, just imagine walking in there and hearing that blasting. No music, just this ridiculous thing. And um, it was just all, you know, just I just pictured like somebody who kind of got lost along the way because they, they thought they'd had it all figured out. And, uh, you know. Uh, up pops Norman. Well, look what you did there. You know, aren't you, aren't you a big boy? You've done so well, you know? Uh, and that was just kind of the narrative that we were going with the whole bottoms up thing. It's like, eh, you know, you've done it to yourself, black strap molasses for you and the whole merry band of idiots. And that's really it. All right, Aaron. All right. So this is the second longest song on this album at the whopping three minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> like you said, y'all coming in, shotgun blasting. Um, this is my fifth favorite song on this album. Um, the it's This sounds very Black Sabbath-esque yeah, to yeah. me. Okay, yeah. th is that what y'all going for? Going for that kind yeah. of dark 70s rock, for sure. Okay, well, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> at the 41-second the mark, those guitars are so ooh-la-la. -la. This is... My favorite vocal performance by um, on this album is it's amazing. Um, there's so much going on in the background on the song. This is definitely headphones listening material. Um, um, the nice there's fight feedback too. The feedback is used very nicely here too. Um, to me, this song lyrically is reminiscent to the Stave Saker song "Zizit Scarecrow" about. Um, the Wicked Getting Punished. I don't know if that's what you're going for, but that's what I got. Mm -hmm. Three stars. My fifth is the favorite song on this album. What say you, Mark Solomon? Well, he... I mean, I love... He, I love the song. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking... Go ahead. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, did, I, did I jump in? No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, I love the song, you know. At first, when I heard it, I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Um, it's a really weird, dissonant kind of chord progression um so we had to try to make something equally weird and then um i honestly wasn't all that crazy about it i did love how how bonkers it sounded until they got it back from the studio and i didn't know they were going to do this but those acoustic guitars in there um i didn't hear them until they started mixing the record uh martin threw them in and did this again that kind of every song has to have at least a moment you know that when those acoustics come in 
I was just as surprised as anybody when I heard him and I just it blew my mind. I thought it sounded so awesome, you know. I was very, very proud of that one. Very nice. Sorry, my brain's being dumb and I'm losing track of which song I'm on because I'm not used to being up this late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I, I love this song. It's a goth rock continuing. Um, it's just once again menacing. That laugh. Okay. I don't know how much you guys watch like old cartoons from like back in the 30s and 40s. But there's this one specific one I think of where uh, it's like a fable of a king who just laughs at ghosts. And the, he, he has a very distinct laugh he does. And that's what this sounds like. <laughs> and it cracks me up. And I love it. And it's awesome. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, that laugh just makes the song for me. Um, I feel like this one is pretty straightforward and kind of ends out my my uh, fan theory on trilogy on this where we have a wolf in sheep's clothing um, that once again eats you up and uh, spits you back out and um, I think everyone's been there at some point with a temptation or addiction etc um, so that's how I look at this song yeah. it's not it's not completely incorrect man I mean honestly it's just a you, you chase some little, you know, will-o'-wisp and find yourself in a place that you did not want to be. And, uh, you know, well, look at you. You know, it's just uh, kind of the vibe. Now now I have this image in my head of, like, Norman Horse being the um, deranged evangelist coming through churches and just being like, look at all you guys. <laughs> uh, more like the, the, the one who comes and... And uh, reveals that the deranged evangelist that's been uh, there for three weeks is a is a thief and has been fleecing the church blind. That's kind of the idea. Totally honest. I see. I see Norman Horse as jo uh, Johnny Cash did a song with you two on their Zuropa album, The Wanderer. I don't know if y'all have heard that song, but love that, that song. to me. Yeah, that to me is how I see Norman Horse. That's anyway, so moving on, Pretty Face Divided. I'll take this one. Um, Tim's song on the album, my sixth favorite song on this album, Three Stars. Um, I call this Pretty Face Divided in Face Stacks from the Starfire lyrics. Just end off, I'll stack your face. I don't know. I just go there automatically. Sorry. Um, I think this would have been a good closer to the album. Um, it wraps up um, the album musically and lyrically, the musical and lyrical themes nicely. Um, you know, lyrically they talk about toxic love, fast living, regrets, punishment for bad choices, you know, all that stuff. And I think that this would have been a, a much better closer for the song that actually closed it. And um, that's all I got to say about this. All right. Well, I'll very quickly go through this one. Um, oddly, this song reminds me of the Daniel Amos track tidal wave um i don't know how much you've listened mm -hmm. to daniel amos mark but i know jason's a huge fan i get it i i get it i never really listened to them but they were definitely i mean they were everybody used to talk about that band when crucified was still around daniel amos was one of the the first really influential bands in the among christian kids making music yeah, Terry Taylor's a legend. He's a legend. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and Martin and Terry mm -hmm. Taylor, I think, were friends for some long time. 
Yeah. So in this song, instead of the the cause of approaching doom being unclear, um, it's clearly your own hypocrisy and double life causing issues for you. And, you know, this goes back into your whole entire theme of calling it as it is. Right. So Mm -hmm. all these lies you have, this wonderful web you put around your life, um, it's it's coming for you. And not only is it going to hurt you, it's going to hurt all the people around you everyone in your circle is going to be damaged by this. And gosh, if that's not a reality people need to hear, I don't know what it is. Um, sadly, I feel like the, the music kind of falls into that 10, 11 slump where it starts blending together in my head a little bit, Yeah, uh, yeah. but that doesn't make it a bad song. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this was uh, a late one, if I remember correctly. I think we, we this was one of the last ones we wrote. Um, and I like the way the song moves. I think the rhythm is outstanding on the jam. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's more of the same kind of. Um, I don't do metaphors specifically um, too frequently, but. In this, I took like just your own ego as a woman, you know, um, as a as a love interest, I should say, and uh, and your love interest being um, uh, two faced, and and you you finding out, you realizing that you're you, it's not what you were hoping for, you know, it's not about any specific person other than my own self, you know, last ride of Miss Meteor, it's like you know that whole burn bright and fast, but um, it's really, I can see it in the, in the girl on the wall of Jones, but it's, I see it because it's me and I recognize it very easily. Hopefully that makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. Like it's something I was going to say earlier when we were all giving our interpretations of Norman Horace. Mike, is Norman Horace just a mirror you put up to yourself? Is that what it is? And you see the worst part of yourself? It's like the you mentioned old cartoons. I always loved the little angel and the little devil, you know, that to me. Yeah. Maybe not as literal, but it's definitely something to it. All right, well, let's wrap this up. We got two up tracks left. Um mm-hmm. yeah. so Horsey. Um this one is it has a nice Martin guitar solo around a minute and forty seconds. Yeah. Always to happy happy to hear a guitar solo. Other words, though, like I said, track 10 and 11 on this, don't just blend a little bit, chug away, do what it's supposed to do. And I know that's yeah. just that's when you're trying to like review an album all at once. That's going to happen for me personally. However, the lyrics on this seem to be the the band's um, thesis statement. You know, we're just going to do things our own way. What we want to do. Thank you very much. Like, Pretty just much. deal with it. <laughs> Um, and I especially love the line, I'm slightly absurd, but not crazy. Mm-hmm. And I love that line so much. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you nailed that right on the head, man. I mean, it's a statement of of who we are and, and you know, where we're coming from. The, the guitar licks here hit hard, hits so hard. I love the power chords. They thump on the rhythm section, straight up slays. It's hard not to dance to this song. They all should have um, invented a dance called The Horsey and made a video. <laughs> it could have been, been something. <laughs> I mean, if in the age TikTok of TikTok, it's not too late. 
well, you're right. You're right. And the and you mentioned one lyric for me, Sam. The best lyric here is "You ain't pretty and pink. You're kind of scary." And to me, that's my type of girl. I'm like, yeah, I wanna. That's my girl right there. That's my wife. Yeah. Three stars. This is my seventh favorite song. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Mark? Yeah, I think like like I said, I think you guys you're, you're right on on point with it. Um, it really uh, was. I I kind of saw it as a as a closer. Just you know, I'm from the era of people who wrote like an album of music. You know what I mean? Whereas nowadays, it's not as not really as common. It still happens, but maybe just not a lot of people are interested in that. And I was trying to think of a way to kind of summarize where we were who who norman was and who the who the band was you know and i also i really love the music of this song it was it kind of surprised me uh at at how it moved it had had that good kind of movement to me so yeah i i enjoy it you know all right very nice and finally the closing track merciless <laughs> mother um so Mark, why don't you kick us off on this closing track? All right. Yeah. Um, so kind of concluding the whole like traveling across the desert type of guy, you know, uh, I think if you have that mentality, um, this song makes a lot more sense. But I also didn't want it to wrap up in a little bow. You know, this is this one is uh I don't know, man. I wanted to write it about uh, about that character, you know, realizing that uh, he was utterly lost. You know, it's a it's meant to be sort of a tragedy. You know, it's just the way it goes. You know, you left your lover like like uh, I wasn't trying to make a big statement. I just felt like um, this this character me <laughs> isn't going to end on an up note. You know uh in particular just where my ego was concerned and where my um my own grandiose visions of self were you know when we were writing this record you gotta remember it was 2007 i mean really stasic was kind of uh rounding it out truthfully we we put out another couple records but one of them was in 2010 i think and the other one was in uh 2017 so you know I knew that stage eight was pretty much done. And I just, I kind of liked the idea of riding off into the sunset, but where, where you go, <laughs> you know what I mean? It went West, like all good legends. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right. But, but what comes after that? And uh, that's kind of where we were going. Honestly, man, the, my, ba my favorite part about this song, my favorite thing about this song are the little, um, the harmonies that we threw in there we really wanted to try to capture a kind of stevie nicks type of vibe and they're in there uh you just gotta be patient because the song kind of tends to stretch four and a half minutes or something but there aaron you know, what do you got yeah this is the longest song on the album it's 12 12 not 12 minutes <laughs> four minutes and 12 seconds this is what <laughs> merciless mother is this is my ninth favorite song on the album um, for me, this is, I get killed for this all the time online, but this, the song in the end of I Star Flyer is 
on the gold album in the context it gets to a point where it's a great sound and it gets repetitive and so merciless mother is in, in indiana territory for me because it's like it's not i'm gonna be all over the place on this song i'm sorry so and i'm gonna i don't know how i'm gonna end up on it right now because this song just baffles me so much so we'll find <laughs> out together <laughs> this is gonna be a revelation for everybody including myself <laughs> so overall it's a good song um the vocals um during the outro are amazing uh so 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 beautiful uh, I don't mind that this is a closer, but I think Pretty Face Divided would still be better. I I don't know. Sometimes with Jason, he find, he either finds a perfect closer or like completely misses it, in my opinion. But I'm not a musical genius like him, so I'm probably wrong. Um, <laughs> but the Luol the Luol slide guitar at the beginning. Um, makes me think of the beach and like i listen to a lot of starfire music at the beach because i live here in the beach um and two minutes and 10 seconds it's the, it's the best guitar solo on this album so good <sighs> it's weird i don't know man like uh, i don't i love i don't even know man i don't know what to give this song it's my ninth favorite song but it could also be my second favorite <laughs> i think musically i think musically it really it really didn't need much vocals, in my opinion. I mean, in all honesty, I think the music is was but, just. But fun. I think the vocals are the best part, especially like I said mm. at the outro. I mean, but then the Luau guitar is really good too. I don't know, man. I love that. Yeah. I uh, know. I don't know this song. I don't know. It might not even. I'm not. Let's just wrap it up. <laughs> it's such a confusing song. I don't know, man. I'll tell you this. Uh, just... Just for just for so you understand how continuous the whole idea was, when I put the line down for Merciless Mother, I almost killed Jason. He he, uh, I got the desired effect. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know it's so I'm ridiculous. He, I mean, it just sounds ridiculous. You know, I'm glad you didn't kill him. That, that's <laughs> no, good for all of yeah. us. <laughs> so anyway, so I guess uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, who want, you hey, want to go man. first, Sam? You want me to go? What, what do you want to do? Well, first, I got to talk about this song that you're wrong about. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> because... I do this all the time. I'm sorry, Sam. I do this to you every episode. <laughs> so, see, um, just like your company, you're wrong about this being a bad closer because it's a perfect closer. Bless your heart. My God, this guy. <laughs> um, so first off, I wrote Star Country 59. Um, Jason is yeah. no stranger to kind of putting country licks into his indie alt rock. Um, he does it a lot on um, Everybody Makes Mistakes and Leave Here a Stranger. And um, once again, I thought this was Martin vocals. So good job. Mark Solomon, like just hitting those vocals, you 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 trick me every time. Um, after that pseudo country opening, though, the track takes on an epic feel, worthy of a closing track. And like I like what you said about you know traveling through the desert. Um, this even reminds me a bit. Aaron mentioned earlier, "Wonder" by U2 and Johnny Cash. Um, and I find it interesting. The album ends on the failure of an artist. I totally picked up on that. This a song is all about failure. And then you're coming home, crawling, crawling home, all chewed up and spit out by this world. But then it kind of hit me. That's the point. That's the entire point of the album, in my in my humble opinion. So 
Um, Merciless Mother is a great closer, and that just leads me into my feelings on the album overall. This album, it focuses so much on sin and its consequences. And um, it's it's definitely weird. Like, it's, it's 50-50 between being weird and not taking itself seriously and still saying, hey, everyone, including myself, like, you know, three fingers pointing back, we all do some messed up crap. We hurt each other. We hurt ourselves. We really shouldn't do that, guys. Um, something you said in our, I think, our previous episode, Mark, what if you could just be kind, right? What if you could just be a better person? And uh, this album's just kind of calling that out. And I love that. Like, it just in its own weird way, it's it's uh, calling you out on just how you should try to be a better person and not get so caught up and in the, the lusts of the world, as it were, that you end up hurting everything around you, including yourself. So music i give this a two and a half um oh so i have a whole entire different rating system i have like um nine potential points uh music is worth three lyrics is worth three overall is worth three and combined it can make up to nine points so music i give this a two and a half out of three which is like this is really good music i love this music if tracks um, 10 and 11 didn't start blending so much for me, it'd be a three. Lyrics, I give this, once again, a two and a half. I think there are some cool hidden gems of lyrics in here. Um, so kudos to you, Mark, for writing some really killer lyrics with, I think, a, a consistent theme throughout 12 tracks. Yeah. Which I love albums as st- full stories. Um, in my opinion, the best albums tell you a story, much like a good movie. And overall, like, what's the X factor in this? How well does it hold up? I give this a three. This project deserved so much more than it got. This, like, I say this every other episode. Why was this not the project that just you know skyrocketed (laughs) martin and yourself into the stratosphere like this would have been perfect like that no one even had to know who you are just this mysterious band with some killer tunes um so eight out of nine i love this album thank you you. appreciate it wow i think sam that's your highest rating is that correct uh no it's it's up there with leave here a stranger in my island okay you gave my island an eight. Do I remember that? I did. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I hope I said bless your heart when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it an eight too, but that's neither. Did I really? Oh. No, I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> bless my heart. No, no, I'm about to go back and listen. No way! I gave my island an eight. Oh my god! <laughs> what are we doing here? Well, I mean that's that's high. I mean, an eight. He's giving this an eight. Wow, that's high. Yes, we have different ratings. I systems. normally give like fours and fives. <laughs> he does. He does regularly. <laughs> and some, and he's right some of the time. Um, overall, um, this is the most non-star five fifty nine sounding project Jason's done. Emergency, Bon Voyage, um, Low Beholds low top all of them like you can hear elements of starfire throughout that but like um sam and i mentioned maybe i mentioned one song he mentioned one song where we we heard vague reminiscences of um starfire and so this is it's amazing that y'all created something that was totally 
different and of course but stay checker but it's the starfire pose i mean podcast so but yeah youtube made something that was completely unique from what y'all did uh, musically at this point in your career and and what i mentioned earlier about you, you mentioned the song um i know i don't care about you know bartending and that you're painting a picture about people there and this every song on this album paints a picture of specific people and it really comes out different ways i mean we interpret it differently but it's a very visually um you you and jason did a good job musically and lyrically painting pictures audibly that we could actually see and i see these characters in my head i'm sure other people do and that's hard to do um yeah and um stevie wonder great musician he said that his favorite Prince album was Around the World in a Day because the same reason. And those songs, he told stories that this blind man could see in his head. And that's hard to do. And y'all did this here. And I'm with Sam. This should have been a hit. Like, especially 2007, this should have been a pop hit album. Like, all of these songs are like, I mean, it's crazy, but I mean, it's not too crazy from the Kinks or the White Stripes or Franz Ferdinand or any of the crazy shit that was going on that time, but better, you know. Um, and this is a batshit crazy album that works in all the best ways. And then what I said earlier, I can't remember which song we're talking about, that's when I said that it's, it starts sound samey, but it's samey like the Ramones. You like one Ramon song, you're like them all. They're good songs. You like them or you hate them. And that's how this album is. You, if you like one of these songs, you're like, cuckoo, cuckoo, you're going to like them all. And I do. There's not a bad song. You, y'all you could have did 100 songs in this vein. And like, you know, I said two stars, three stars, four. But none of them are like bad, you know. And and, and the, 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 the vision you guys had and what you created, you couldn't have, you could not have made a bad song with what y'all created. Because the formula is so perfect. And that's how I feel about this album. So going with Sam's um, critique, musically three because, and and it's timeless. Like like, what 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 time frame is this music? Who fucking knows? It's crazy. <laughs> Lyrically, crazy two, and then um, overall ex, um, um factor. Um, like I said, I mean, holds up. So gosh, am I gonna give this an eight too? I can't give this an eight. Did I really give My Island an eight? I'm about to give this a 12 if I gave Mile an 8. <laughs> well, it's out of 9, so... I know, but... <sighs> I guess I have to give this 8, too, like you, Sam. <laughs> Even though, like, there's only one four-star album, I don't... I don't know, it's just such a weird album. Like, there's some magic happening here. I don't know. There's, like, no four or fives on this, but somehow it's just amazing. Like, I don't want to skip any song, and I can listen to it on repeat. And Because I get bored with music really easy, and yeah. I can't – I don't get bored with this album. I could listen to it on repeat, and it doesn't get old. I don't know. That's it. The end. I'm sorry. All right, Mark. <laughs> you have any last minute thoughts on this? Uh, no, man. I just really appreciate you guys talking about the record and uh... – you know, and I, I loved making it. I loved making all the neon or stuff that we did. Uh, <clears throat> there's little little nuggets all over it, man. And, um, you know, it was it was a uh, I don't know. It was a really great opportunity for me to be able to do something so um, out of character from what I, the overly serious melodramatic you know, stuff that maybe I was known for. So 
I'm about to bombard Jeff Cloud to get him to put out a Neon Horse album available Blue Music. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, it's going to be a campaign of terror. Cloud, <laughs> it's coming. But before before you go, though, I just want to say, I, mean, we didn't, I, I forgot to mention this um, in one, the other interview, but Stavesaker, the band, the Friction and Absolute, those first two albums really changed my life, especially um, what's the first one on Absolute's? Yeah. Coke 45 ship 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 mm. yes man i put that on so many mixtapes like i was a, like in high school i was christian evangelist <laughs> i so many people in virginia beach heard that song like shiv and um the heart taker by starfly i was on and um what's that your christmas song it's an instrumental whatever it's on north to the future i'm gonna kill myself Scrabble Girl, Scrabble Girl, Scrabble Girl was on every mixtape. I would like between Scrabble Girl, Voyager, and Shift, like everyone in Virginia Beach heard that song. It was those songs were amazing. And you said that the ser- you said the lyrics were serious to the point of being comical. I took them as heartfelt and burning clean on friction. And anyway, I'll stop. Anyway, so thank you so much. It's been a dream listening to you. Your music has changed my life in so many ways. And if you guys haven't read the book Simplicity, you want to hear an honest Christian's journey, please get it. It's an amazing read. It'll it's it'll uplift you and and get you through this thing called life. <laughs> so. thank you very now, much one last thing. Appreciate it. You mentioned Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just somewhere, somewhere. I don't know where it is, but uh, Martin and I wrote the song "Monster" that is on that record, and it's 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 somewhere me singing those vocals. I don't know if they still exist anymore, but um, we, we wanted to write a song for Bon Voyage, and that was it. Okay. So you and Jason wrote a Bye Bye Eyes song and then just took your vocals out and put Julie's vocals on? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the idea was to write. <laughs> I, I wrote it down so she could kind of follow my, because neither Julia nor myself are like, you know, we don't read mu- music and know how to sing what we've read or whatever. You just, you sing what you hear. And so I laid down, you know, guide vocals for her. And, um, uh, and then she, of course, did her own thing entirely. But Somewhere out there, there's a Bon Voyage. Uh, the Bon Voyage song "Monster" is done by the uh, the, the predominant members of Neon Horse. And oh, I oh it was... before go ahead, go ahead, Spanish. I'm sorry. No, we we uh, when 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 they were writing the record, he sent me it to say, "Hey man, you know, what do you think?" And so we we did something together just because we were writing stuff together. It was fun. <laughs> one last quick one before we let you go. Thank you so much for all your time, and you've been super cool. But um, I posted something in the Tooth and Nail fan um, page, and I was like, if you could ask Mark Solomon a question, I had a lot of good ones. I can't remember who asked this question, but I thought it was a good one. Why haven't you released an album called <laughs> The Book of Mark Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I, <laughs> I can't play anything, it would be a very short book. It <laughs> would be a very short book. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for indulging us, hanging out with us tonight. We've had a blast. Appreciate As it. always, guys, thank you everyone for listening to us. Um, once again, my name is Samuel. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the time and I, very much. And I'm and I'm Aaron. Y'all take it easy. 
And as always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it so much. Uh, Thank you, man. You guys are great.